listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 63 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where I'm glad to inform everyone listening that it is, in fact, basketball season. With some of the news of the world that's probably depressing just a few of us and to the fact that this is our third time trying to record this episode, you know, having it be basketball season is quite a positive. Another positive today is that we have Ryan Connors with us. Hello, Ryan. Hey, man. How you doing? I've been better. I think we've all been better, but it's basketball season, and that should perk us up a little bit. I would hope so. I would hope so, too, but I think the really hopeful part of today is that we have somebody returning to the show after a long absence, and he's somebody very near and dear to our hearts on this show and on this website. The incomparable, the amazing, the gifted, and the talented, Matt Allen Tuck is back with us to talk about basketball-related things. Matt, it is so great to have you back on this show. Whew, that was an intro. I only give you uh, the best intros here, dude. That's what I try to uh, do on this show. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, that's what your writing is, and you know more about basketball than I think most people put together. So what else am I supposed to say? Oh, well, thanks. I'm excited the season's it's two days two days from being back. Two days, technically, but it, it, it's back. For all intents and purposes, it's back, and that is great news for us all as we all really need to get away from the world and we need to get away from Maryland football for a bit. So this season is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be different, I think, than the past couple of seasons. And it's one of the more intriguing ones, at least in the time that I've been following Maryland basketball, Matt. And I want to start by asking, what's your main general storyline that you're taking with you to the start of this season? Uh, Definitely the uncertainty uh, surrounding the talent level of the team. Uh, They're going to come into the season ranked number 25, which... I think pretty much tells the story that voters were... Do you think that's were, generous? Uh, I think it pretty much shows that voters were thinking, hey, Mellow Trimble is playing basketball again, so the chances are they're going to be pretty good, but also maybe not that good because they're relying on a ton of freshmen. Uh, it's pretty much unknown. I think uh, two years ago we sort of thought going into the season that Maryland basketball would be not so great, and then they turned out to be good, and then last year we came in thinking... They're the best team of all time, and they were a little bit short of that. Uh, but this year, we don't have a strong opinion either way. Um, it just seems to be a take it by day, and let's see how the freshmen develop. So you're saying that basically your expectations of this season are a shrug emoji. That is exactly what I'm saying. Perfect. I think that'll explain it to a lot to our audience. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? Because I don't know if uncertainty is as much the – main storyline for me as much as it is I think this team's going to be a lot of fun Lord I think this is a good kind of uncertainty rather than bad uncertainty which I think is the main defining trait between this year's team and the team from two years ago and you're going to hear me compare a lot uh those two teams together so what's your major storyline coming into the season uh definitely the freshmen um I think it's it's exciting to have a couple players coming in here and maybe not knowing exactly what they can do um, but they're all like, especially Kevin Herter, Anthony Cow, and Justin Jackson all come in, and they're going to see some pretty big minutes right away. Um, I think Justin Jackson could end up being really the most interesting of the bunch. I know just talking with Matt, he was kind of the guy we were both excited about the most. But Anthony Cowan has especially seemed pretty good in the open practice we saw and so far in the scrimmage. 
Um, but, you know, Hurt has been pretty exciting too. His shooting is really, really good, which uh, which should only push a guy like Jared Nickens. And, uh, yeah, I think just the idea that you're going to have some exciting young freshmen and it's kind of a different different dynamic than what we saw from last year where, you know, Diamond Stone came in with all the hype in the world and that was kind of a lot to live up to. These freshmen aren't coming in with a, like, hype machine around them necessarily and uh there's gonna be a lot of pressure on them but i think i think it's exciting i think it's very exciting too and matt as i said are going to compare this team a lot to the one from two years ago uh the one from two years ago was uncertain in a negative way with the mark turgeon speculation obviously surrounding it and we were kind of in a well we hope it goes well in this season i think it's not it's not a bogey year it's more of a year where i think a lot of us are expecting some fun things. It's going to be a fun team, largely because the reason why that team from two years ago was fun because it was very guard-oriented, and I think that suits Maryland a lot better under Mark Turgeon than the team last year, which was more front-court-oriented. So don't you think that that kind of makes this team a lot more fun because the focus of the team and where all of the talent lies is in the backcourt? Yeah, it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be just a totally different environment. It's going to be a much quicker team, first of all, with Robert Carter and Diamond Stone uh, gone. They slow tempo down tremendously, uh, and it's going to be it's going to be focused on guards and wings again. And there's going to be competition all around. Uh, I think different guys are going to be playing different amounts of minutes besides Mello uh, throughout the year. Uh, the starting lineup is going to change a bunch of times. I'm sure. Even I'm sure they're going to go smaller more too because. You know, there's another thing that Ed Turgeon did last year was, was play two bigs, two seven-footers at the same time, and that's not always the most fun to watch, and it's not always the most successful on offense. But with, first of all, the uncertainty around Checo and how long he's going to be out for, and uh, I think Turgeon pretty much knows by now that Checo and DeMonte don't really play too well together. Uh, it's going to be a smaller, faster unit, which, which should be fun. I think that's going to be a lot of fun, too, and we already know that there's going to be a different kind of personnel, of course, first of all, because Deion Wiley's back, and that was probably the missing piece from last year that would have changed a lot of things for Maryland. But, but Ryan, it's just going to be fun to watch the backcourt develop, and not just because Melo Trimble is back, and Melo Trimble is everything to this program the last two seasons, but because the young talent is there, and they have so much depth from players that haven't left. And, again, I think that this team and Mark Turgeon teams in general are a lot better when they're guard-oriented, and this one is absolutely going to be guard-oriented. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think generally in college basketball, you'll probably have guards who are a little bit more developed than you are. Than, you know, the bigs maybe won't be as developed, especially right when they get to college. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this will be probably a pretty exciting brand of basketball, at least you'd hope. And I'm excited, you know, we all, everyone's already, already talked about, uh, you know, Melo's going to have a different role on this team because he doesn't have the, you know, supporting cast with the pedigree that they had last season. But I think it'll be just interesting because you have a lot of sort of interchangeable parts. You can have Anthony Cowan playing the one with Trimble playing the two. You can go, like I'm sure Matt's going to talk about, you can go real small with Justin Jackson at the five. But you have a lot of guys who can play, you know, the two and the three, I think, and potentially the four if they go small. And, yeah, I think I think the most exciting thing is just 
all of the interchangeable parts and how they can fit together in a couple of different ways. Yeah, so Matt, since you're the basketball expert, I want you to go into all of these interchangeable parts and how we could see these different lineups. And again, last year with Maryland, it was pretty static. You knew pretty much exactly what you were going to get from this team on any given night because the lineup had very set roles. And in this team, you don't. You have the Maryland does have bigs, even if some of them aren't the best, at least compared to last year. But they have so much depth at guard. And obviously, with Deion Wiley returning, they can do so many things. And I'm, that's what gets me so excited about these early season games against the scrubs, because we're going to see Mark Turgeon probably throw a lot of different stuff at the wall. And the good part about it is I think a lot of it could work because of just how many positions most of these players can play. Yeah, I'm, Mark Turgeon has a ton of shooters this year, which is going to make it easy to fit together lineups. Uh, in the in the scrimmage, we saw Anthony Cowan start uh, at point guard and, and Trimble play more off the ball. And Turgeon talked about that a little bit and how well. First of all, that's that's more natural to Melo to start. Uh, if you remember, his biggest critique after his freshman year was how he wasn't uh, a playmaker. And you know, point guard isn't his natural position. He played he played shooting guard in high school. So him being able to play a little bit off the ball might even help. Uh, stir up his jump shot a little bit that we saw drop off towards the tail end of last year. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how many minutes Anthony Cowan and Melo Trimble play together and apart and with which rotations uh, Turgeon finds to fit with, with the both of them. And that's something that's going to take, you know, throughout most of the non-conference schedule to figure out who plays well with who in, in that regard. But besides the point guard spot, even the two guard, I mean, you can mix... Jared, can, Jared Nickens can play anywhere between two and four if you really want to play small. Kevin Herter can play two or three. Deion Wiley is probably a two, but if he handled the ball, I wouldn't be that surprised either. Uh, he has so many so many guard options um, that uh, he's going to be proud. Turgeon's probably going to be a little overwhelmed at first, but uh, it's going to stir up a lot of competition. I'm forgetting Jalen Brantley, too. Uh, the mm-hmm. is taking over some of him, his minutes. But he's another pretty good third point guard option for that team. So uh, Turgeon's got a lot of experimenting to do. And obviously we've seen in the past few years, guards were, were hard to come by for Maryland. So that's, that's pretty exciting. It's amazing to think that we went from a team that had no guard depth a year ago to one that you could argue might have too much. Although I don't think that this team's got too much guard depth. I think that's wrong. Uh, Ryan, I'll ask you this and then I'll ask Matt the same question. What do you think the lineup is that we're going to see the most often? And then by the time we get to March, what do you think the best lineup for this team is going to be? Uh, I mean, I think the best lineup, well, I guess the one we'll see, we'll see most often, I think. I imagine we'd probably have Trimble at the point. I think Dia, I'm not totally sure, but I think Dion at the two, Jared at the three with, uh, with, LG Gill, or potentially, you know, we don't know how Justin Jackson uh, progresses throughout the season, and then with DeMonte center. I feel like that's generally going to be, if maybe not the best lineup, maybe the one we see the most often. It, it, I like, I am not necessarily sure how often we're going to see Cowan and Trimble playing together, but, you know, Trojan started them at the exhibition, and that can mean that I'm totally wrong and that they're going to play together a lot. But, uh, I feel like that's going to be the one we see the most often. I feel like most successful could end up being with uh, with Cowan, Trimble, and then Dion at the three with 
either Jackson or Gill at the four and DeMonte at the five. I feel like that might end up being the most successful lineup you see out there just because I think Howard and Trimble in there together is just it's it's pretty exciting. I think that is too. Matt, what do you think on the best lineup that Maryland will have and the one that we'll see most often? Uh, from the beginning, the most often one we're going to see is, is the more experienced one. We've seen Mark Turgeon do this every year where he slowly integrates the freshmen before he pushes them. I mean, even with a top recruit like Diamond Stone, he had to work his way through January into the starting lineup. So uh, I think I'd be definitely surprised if Anthony Cowan does start on, on Friday night like he did for the scrimmage. I'm sure that was just an experiment. But from the beginning of the season, I'm sure it's going to be some some variation of, of Mello, Mello Trimble, Dion Wiley, Jerry Nickens, LG Gill, and DeMonte Dodd. Those are probably who, I, who I'd expect to come out on Friday night. I'm uh, probably for a little bit of the non-conference, but I know I've said, and, and I've wanted Mark Turgeon to do this for a while, is start playing smaller. I know he loves stacking seven-footers together, but, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen small ball work in so many in so many places. I mean, even Villanova last year, they were an especially big team, and they ran with a ton of guards. Uh, and I think that, that's, that Maryland this year is a team that can actually pull that off. So if Turgeon is able to play Justin Jackson at the five, which... I don't really see a reason why not. I mean, he's pretty big already for a freshman, and even though he's only six foot seven, his wingspan's seven three. Which to stack that up, that's slightly below Robert Carter's seven three and a quarter, and slightly above Diamond's own seven two and a half. So, I mean, his wingspan's enormous, and he should be able to, to cover a good part of the paint uh, if if Maryland has to protect against a big like that. Uh, but if Maryland can run with, with Mel Trimble at the point and then space out with Kevin Herter and Deion Wiley and Jared Nickens, they can be really deadly uh, shooting the ball and, and pushing pace. They could be, and they could also get scored upon a lot. That will probably happen a lot. Uh, I would I would tend to think that if they go small, they're probably going to be saying, let's just score 85 and hope that they don't score more than that. I think that's a lot of fun, though. So I... We know this team is very guard-focused, but there are still bigs on this team that are interesting, and we just released a piece on Michael Tchaikovsky, who I think is one of the more interesting players on this team, Matt. So let's go into the front court a bit. We know what DeMonte Dodd gives by this point. He's pretty much a known article. I think there's still more for Michael Tchaikovsky to give than he has done. He's now played in Maryland. He's a junior, so there's plenty more for him to give. LG Gill is a graduate transfer Mark Turgeon does so well in the transfer market. We know what kind of what he can give. Uh, Evan Bender is sadly injured. We don't know how long he's going to be out for, but I figure when he gets healthy, he's going to have a role to play. So it's not like Maryland has no depth up front, but it's not the best depth. So what do you think are the expectations for the front court group this year? Yeah, I mean, there aren't any scores. Uh, last year, obviously, with, with Diamond and Robert, they were able to score at will, but... For, for this year, DeMonte's not a scorer, and DeMonte knows that, and he'll tell you he doesn't care if he scores any points. He's just going to set picks and rebound, which is ideally what you need with a, with a team that's so guard-heavy that's going to warrant a lot of shooting around the perimeter. Uh, so, so And Checo follows the same way. I mean, Checo was great in small minutes defensively last year, so hopefully he can translate over and play 15, 20 minutes a game of really solid defense. And allegedly, he, he can shoot threes, whether or not... Mark Turgeon will let him, we'll see. But I wouldn't I expect too much something like from... that last year with big shooting threes. I don't think I want to hear that again. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see if, uh, if that actually comes true. But I wouldn't expect much offense from there. 
even Bender can finish around the rim. We kind of saw that in spot minutes uh, last year. But again, he's not a, exactly a guy you feed in the post and, and let him work down there. It's it's more off rebounds. Uh, and LG Gill, LG Gill can score around the rim too, and he can actually he can actually take the ball and uh, and dribble from the perimeter if he had to. So if I had to guess, LG Gill's probably the leading scorer to that front court. But most of the action is going to come from around the perimeter, and it's going to be more of a cleanup job for the for the rest of the team. I think that makes sense, Ryan. What do you what do you think? Yep, uh, really, pretty much no disagreement there. I think. Um, yeah, when you got a team that is as guard-heavy as Maryland, you don't need big scoring output from your bigs down low. And I think, you know, you'll see every once in a while these guys are going to post up, I'm sure. But uh, DeMonte Dodd, as long as he gives, like, you know, he'll give you some solid defense, I imagine. And Checo seems to have a little bit more, even more fundamentally sound defense than Dodd might. And then they'll give you, you know, a couple dunks per game. And that'll be that, – that's kind of all that Maryland needs. Definitely seems like it. So, Matt, we have to focus on Melo Trimble now because he is one of, if not the best player Maryland has had in many, many years. And his return took this team from uh-oh to oh, okay. And I think that changes a lot for him. And you could argue, and I think he'll probably tell you, that last year was not his best year. You could argue whether it was chemistry or the role he was playing or the fact that he could basically never – take any rest because of who Maryland had on the bench. For whatever reason, he wasn't as good as he could have been. But with this year, I think he's going to be a lot more liberated. And because the team's guard heavy and there are players to spell him, he's going to be a lot better. And his mere presence as a quote-unquote veteran hand, I think really changes the dynamic of this backcourt. And it's going to make it a lot of fun. So what are Melo Trimble's expectations and what do you want to see him improve upon from last year? Oh, well, I, I think everyone was caught up in, in Mellow shooting numbers, and yeah, he didn't have a great season shooting, but uh, that also, we were comparing that against his freshman year numbers, which were just, I mean, unbelievable. So it was sort of unfair to to ask him to to replicate those numbers. I mean, when we when I asked Mellow, uh, you know, after going to the combine and stuff, what he needed to improve on, and he literally said health. I mean, he was banged around by the end of last season. He was playing heavy minutes at point. Jalen Brantley only was able to relieve him a little bit, which is why it's good that Anthony Cowan is here. But Mel was forced to play a lot of minutes. He was forced to do a lot of the scoring. He was forced to do a lot of the playmaking. Uh, and he didn't really get much rest. Uh, so hopefully he gets more of that this year and he's able to uh, just, just look a little more mobile. I mean, we saw him look a little tight, uh, he was a little more hesitant to drive uh, towards the basket last year. His free throw, his you know his freshman year free throw shooting attempts numbers were crazy, and those settled down by last year. I don't really think Melo has to prove anything basketball talent wise. I think everyone knows what Melo's capable of by now. I think maybe he's got better pieces suited to his game now, so that he doesn't have to force as much. Maybe he plays more at the two uh, next to Anthony Cowan or next to Jalen Brantley, and he's able to just catch and shoot because. He hasn't been able to do that since he's been to college, and shooting off the dribble is just so much more difficult to do. So maybe if he's able to catch and shoot like he did in high school, his three-point shooting numbers go up again. I mean, I, I think we, we asked way too much of, of Mello Trimble last year, and, and that sort of you know came dead on him. He was supposed to potentially be player of the year and whatnot. Uh, but, but I think there's a ton of teams that will take the season Mello had last year and happily start that same player on their own team. I would definitely agree with that, especially in the Big Ten, which, 
as we know, has become a big oriented lead, although it might not be this year. And we'll talk more about the Big Ten shortly. Ryan, I think on the mellow Trimble tangent, I guess, you know, he has players to spell him now. You think he's probably going to shoot more or be more willing to drive to the basket because now he doesn't have to worry about getting banged around as much because he has players that can definitely spell him, and he might not have to do all of the scoring, which he's had to do in the past. And I think that's going to free him up to be a better player and a looser player because we saw at times last year he got tight, and when he got tight, Maryland was screwed. I don't think that's going to happen as much this year just because of who he has around him. So what do you want to see from Melo Tremble this year? Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to say. I think the the easy answer to that question, which is probably what I'll usually end up going with, if you haven't noticed, um, is, you know, just looking for his shots to fall. Uh, if you take the same season that he had and just, like, he becomes more consistent from the three-point line, all of a sudden he, you know, no one's complaining about him. That was... That was basically the only, that, was, that was the one big thing that was that went wrong last year, and sure you could have said maybe he needed to drive more, but you had five four or five other players who were, you know, needed the ball or clogging up the lane. So I I, I don't know. I think with Mello, it's it's hard to ask for any one particular thing. I think the big thing is just just you know see, seeing that three point shot fall a little bit more. Okay, so. I want to ask now, Matt, about the freshmen, because this team is going to be freshman-oriented, but the freshmen are good and they're fun, and they're not the kind of freshmen they're going to leave after one year like Diamond Stone was. They're going to be around for a while, which means they have a chance to grow with Mark Turgeon and a chance to grow with the team. So what do you, who do you think is going to be the best, air quotes, freshman this, in this team? I think it's going to be close. I think all. I think the three, uh, the three top hundred guys, uh, Kevin Herter, Anthony Cowan, and Justin Jackson, are all going to be big time contributors. Uh, I think they're all going to be a big part of the rotation. Um, Justin Jackson is the one that really intrigues me the most, and and honestly, I think he has the most NBA potential of the three. Uh, he can really do a lot. He can play. He can probably play anywhere from two to five. Uh, he's long. He can attack. Uh, from the perimeter, if he's if he's asked to dribble, he can catch and shoot. Uh, he can he can play in the post a little bit. Um, he's really talented, and I would expect him to be in the starting lineup by the time we get to you know mid Big Ten season. Um, I think he's probably going to have the biggest impact. Uh, Anthony Cowan is also really really solid, although he's undersized. Uh, he he can defend really well. He's he's super quick, uh, way quicker than Melo, and I'm sure that. Um, you know that that's also how Melo, because he's he's been going one on one against a really just scrappy kid that just gets he's right in on him defensively. I mean he doesn't really move and, and he's just he's great mirroring the ball and and keeping his defender in front of him. He's gonna he's gonna be really useful on the defensive end and he can also run a team. I mean Anthony Cowan was really really vocal in his first game as a college freshman, so that was really impressive throughout the scrimmage. Um, He's going to make a big impact as well, and I think that he's already taken Kevin Bradley's spot in the depth chart. So he's going to play major minutes, and Kevin Herter is going to do some fighting with Deion Wiley and, and Jared Nickens, but well, I think all three of them are going to find time. I mean, Kevin is a is a knockdown shooter. Stroke is just you can see it from his release. That's just what he's made to do. Um, he showed it off the dribble. He showed a catch and shoot, and and if he's on, he's on. The question for him will be, you know, whether or not he can keep up defensively or not right away, but 
we'll figure that out. But between the three of them, I, I think Maryland has a really good trio of freshmen who, like you said, they're going to be around for at least at least another year and hopefully more than that. Yep. Ryan, you on the freshman. I, I, the one that intrigues me the most is honestly harder because he fits the Mark Turgeon mold so well of swing guy who can play a lot of different positions but can shoot. And we know how Jake Lehman evolved from his freshman year to his senior year. And Herter, well, he's not Jake Lehman. He's not that big. He could definitely play similar to that. And I, and I, that, he, that intrigues me more, although Cowan and Jackson have a ton of talent and probably come in with more hype. But uh, which freshman are you most excited about? Um, I mean, yes, I kind of touched on this in one of my earlier answers, too. Uh, uh, I'd say... I don't know. I think Jackson's the most exciting too, just because he's he's versatile and at the very least can take uh, can play the three and the four. Um, you know, there's at a certain point, especially for me, like I wasn't able to go to the scrimmage the other day because I was covering the football game. But uh, he's, I mean, what six seven, long wingspan. He can kind of he has the most skills and the best physical ability out of anyone. And I think and that just pretty easily makes him the most exciting guy. But they're all, I mean, I think they all really excite me. And, I mean, I, I know earlier I talked a lot about Cowan and Jackson and not much about Kevin Herter. But the idea of having someone who's as much of a knockdown shooter as he is is always exciting because, you know, you lose Jake Lehman and, you know, you want you want someone who can really just – spread the floor like that and you know team has a lot of other good shooters but i think you know more is always good yeah i do want to interrupt for a second if i can you're allowed to cool i I want to uh i want to tear down this whole kevin herter jake layman comparison Uh i just don't it's no it's not i mean i've seen it from i've seen a lot of people write about it and to me it just doesn't make any sense i don't think the two are similar in any way whatsoever (laughs) um you know, I, I, Kevin. Kevin is much more of a pure shooter than than Jake really ever was, and and Jake was more defensive minded. Where that's Kevin's biggest concern, and Kevin's also a good deal smaller than Jake is. So I don't really see the comparison between the two. I don't think one fills. No, I, I will say I wasn't. I'm not comparing that they're like you're totally right. They're not similar players. I just said in a strictly like spreading the floor with shooting. But I guess you're right. I mean, Layman was obviously a completely different player and had. An inside game and just yeah, no, not just you. I've, totally I've just seen so many guys write about it. And that's yeah, and I mean, obviously, like a lot of people are going to compare them, probably just because they just are both like big white swingmen, and and all of a sudden you just make that generalization. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's no, that's a very good point. All right, let's go to two more questions, and they're more global in the sense that we're not talking about Maryland, we're more talking about the season. And first of all, let's talk about the Big Ten. Uh, it's a deep conference, like it was a year ago. The teams at the top are really, really good. So, Matt, where does Maryland fall in in the Big Ten pecking order in your mind? I, they're obviously not number one. There are some very good teams ahead of them. But they're also not bad. And even with the uncertainty, they still have the potential to be a pretty decent team. So where do they fall in in the Big Ten hierarchy? Yeah, I mean, they're right They're right inside, you know, the outer, the outer parts of that top five, probably. Uh, if I had to guess, just based on where we think the freshmen will land. I mean... Just bringing in those three top 100 guys is something that not a lot of teams can can say that they've done. And returning Melo Trimble, I mean, he's probably still the best player in the conference, save for maybe Nigel Hayes. Uh, so they're going to be competitive. I mean, 
they're definitely not going to like fall out and be this just terrible team because they lost four starters. I mean, they're replacing them with good talent, and everyone's kind of forgetting Deion Wiley may have been a starter last year had he not been injured, and now he's back. So Maryland's going to going to be right around the the upper middle of that pack. So who's better? Because for a lot of us, we're now just starting to get back into the whole swing of college basketball, and you can hear a lot of hype about certain teams, but. Who's ahead of them? Like, who can you guarantee will be better than Maryland? Because last year we expected them to be number one or close to it, and they're obviously not going to be that this year. But who is definitively better than them in the Big Ten, and then who is on their level? Yeah, that's a good question, too. I'm getting back in the swing of things, too, and don't exactly know every all the Big, team, Big Ten teams freshmen that well. But uh, Wisconsin's probably that top team to watch out for. Um, Nigel Hayes coming back is obviously huge. Bronson Kane comes back. Uh, I think Ethan Happ is still there too. Uh, and they were a good team last year. So I would expect them to be towards the top. Uh, Purdue keeps Caleb Swanigan, uh, and Isaac Haas is still there too. Uh, so that makes them a pretty good team. Uh, I was thinking of the top man. Oh, Michigan State. Michigan State had an insane recruiting class also. So they're they're in a little bit of that maybe they're really good maybe they're just kind of good again because we haven't seen their talent but uh miles bridges is incredible and i expect him to probably lead that team uh even you know in denzel valentine's absence but they're really good and michigan uh michigan is also returning most of their starters i think so uh, maryland again is going to fall in right right in the middle of those bottom tier teams wisconsin probably leads the pack i would think so uh, that's been a lot of the hype for them uh, now that it's just you here, Ryan will be back in a little bit. We'll talk about football-related things. Uh, but I want to go through their schedule at a conference and then into the early part of the conference schedule. They don't have nearly the at-a-conference schedule they had a year ago. I think their best team that they're going to play is probably Georgetown, and that's a road game in air quotes because it's at Verizon Center. Most of the other teams they play are kind of, quote-unquote, the scrubs, and then they got Pitt and Oklahoma State, and they travel up to Barclays Center where they could play Kansas State or Boston College, who are both mediocre. So when we get into conference season, and obviously Maryland's not going to run through conference the way they did the last two years, uh, what do you think the expectation should be for at a conference play? How many losses do you think we're going to see? What kind of performances are we going to see, et cetera, as then as we get into a Big Ten play? Uh, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to judge just based on the unknown. But on paper, Mar- I mean, Maryland has just an honestly depressingly easy non-conference schedule. That's There's what I'm really... like, Compared to last year when you're at North Carolina, you're playing UConn at the Garden, obviously yeah. Georgetown too. It's just very yeah. I mean, and, and, even, and even last year's, we kind of criticized Maryland's non-conference schedule a little bit last year too i mean they were supposed to be one of the elite teams and they weren't really playing that difficult of an of a non-con schedule but this year is somehow even easier than last year which kind of sucks um they really don't play anyone that's probably going to be dangerous in any tournament i mean yeah they play georgetown early but that's a game you can sort of throw away in a couple of months because no team plays how they do in November, how they do in March. So that's not going to really show much. Uh, and it's their second r- real game of the season. Um, yeah. And, yeah, again, it's it's an away game, but it's not an away game. Everyone knows that. And I guess, what, they play Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh will be a little tough maybe. But, yeah, they're, they're really running through some really poor teams. So 
obviously looking at the schedule, you want to chalk up every game as a win. In all likelihood, it's going to take them a little while to match. But if they if they come out of non-conference losing more than two games, that would be that would be depressing. Yeah, that would definitely be depressing, and it would kind of rub the shine off of a lot of the things that we see. I think the back end of their conference schedule looks a bit tougher than the front end, but whatever it is, the Big Ten will be at least deep enough, and Maryland will get tripped up at some point this season. Uh, finally, I want to get to what you expect this team to do, not necessarily record predictions, but where you think this team is going. I think a tournament, making the NCAA tournament is a reasonable expectation. I don't expect them to go far, but a reasonable expectation would be if they can get, say, maybe a seven seed, something along those lines in that general vicinity. I think they should make it. They have enough talent to make it. Obviously, it'll take them some time to gel and get uh, meshed together. But I, you think the tournament's a reasonable expectation, and now that they've got the Sweet 16 monkey off their back, they don't have to necessarily do much when they get there. But do you think that making the tournament is a reasonable thing for most Maryland fans to assume? Uh, it's reasonable. It definitely is reasonable. I don't think it would be the most insane thing ever if they didn't, but it's a reasonable expectation to have. I think this year is a lot of it's, – it's sort of the in-between because I think we can all pretty much write Mellow Trimble off after this year. It's, you know, obviously it's impossible to tell now, but Mellow was super anxious to go to the NBA last year, and he really held out until the final – few hours before he had to choose uh, to stay or not. And even, uh, you know, I talked to, to Mark Turgeon about it, and Turgeon was like, he knew, like he knew during the combine that he couldn't really possibly go, but he was really searching for any angle uh, that would make it reasonable for him to declare. I mean, he's ready to go to the next level, and that's fair. Uh, so Maryland has to start figuring out its pieces in the post-Mellow Trimble life. And, you know, figuring out the most important thing really isn't how many how many games this team wins this year because again you know they could be really good who the hell knows but I wouldn't expect them to be this team that's going to be around late in March uh, but if they can get the other freshmen you know gelling and enough to maybe convince some other big names in this in the 2017 class who haven't declared yet to come in um, you know Maryland's got to pretty much prove that it can it can last throughout this once in a lifetime superstar type of mellow Trimble player and Mark Turgeon's good at recruiting. This we do he is know. really good. Really good, I'll have you know. Yeah, I, I think that's reasonable to say. And if they show, let's say they do make the tournament as a seven seed, I, w I don't know the names of the players, but if they make the tournament as a seven seed, don't you think, hey, then the names start piling in and then you could start to see the building of another team like the one last year, at least talent-wise. Yeah, I mean... That was, you know, I was talking to even some other players. Uh, Micah Thomas, who's a lower-rated recruit, was, uh, you know, the first thing I said, I asked him was about recruiting, and he's like, yeah, I saw the freshman coming in, and I was like, yeah, I'm in, you know, and that's that's the sort of thing that guys are going to look at. And I know Justin Jackson, I talked to him too, and he wouldn't admit it, but I don't think it was a coincidence that he happened to commit to Maryland uh, 12 hours after Melo Trimble said he was coming back. I mean, players are looking for, for talent, and that's sort of what happened. You know, Diamond Stone came because Robert Carter was there and Melo Trimble was there, and Rashid Suleiman then eventually came because the rest of the talent was already in place. So, yeah, it's, it's another, uh, hey, here's what I've done with this freshman talent, and here's what I can do for you um, in the future. And, again, uh, Maryland has sort of proved that already. But, you know, they'll have to do it again. I mean, Micah Thomas, you know, he's been in contact with Jake Lehman 
a lot because if anyone's most similar to, to Jake Lehman, it's Micah. And he's like, yeah, I saw, you know, I saw what they've done to Jake Lehman and, and how they transformed his body, and now he's in the NBA. So, yeah, it's just a sort of, hey, we're going to prove that, that we can we can be really good again really soon. Yep. So, quickly, one final question before I let you go. Uh, generally in college basketball, I think we all know who, kind of who the best team in the nation is, and I know it's sacrilege to say it, but, Matt, I think you have to say who the best team in the country is. Oh, it's absolutely Duke. Yeah, I know. I, I, I said we hate saying it, but we have to say it because it's true. Uh, who are the yeah, other great I, teams? Again, because a lot of us are just jumping back in right now with two feet, and we kind of don't know what we're getting at. Duke and Kentucky are going to lead the way, um, if that surprises anyone. But, nope. I mean, yeah, the the, the insane recruiting that, that both Calipari and Krzyzewski did um, – I mean, I don't, I don't even know how to put into words the amount of talent. I mean, they, there are several NBA players worth of their batch of freshmen that they were just fighting between each other for. Uh, yeah, I could talk about Duke for forever. I mean, I don't was, think you should. They're so, they're so talented, though. I mean, Harry Giles and, and Jason Tatum, and, and I saw Frank Jackson play a little bit, and no one's even talking about him. And you know, he's a top ten recruit as a point guard. Um, it's gonna be. It's really gonna be the Duke and Kentucky show for, for the good portion of the beginning of the year. Um, those are really the teams that stand out. Yeah. So thank you, Matt. Of course, you're gonna be on this show, pretty much all the time now that it's basketball season. And uh, of course, the team plays American on Friday, and then Georgetown next Tuesday. That game's got a weird 6:30 start time, but you can bet that the whole gang is gonna be at Verizon Center for that game, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. So when we next pod, Matt, you will be on it. And, of course, thank you for being back with us. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks, it's, thanks for having me back. Dude, you're going to be on the show basically every week because you're going to try to keep us all sane if things go wrong because this is Maryland-related. <laughs> hey, so, don't, don't, don't panic. I'm, oh, they will. They will, but it's okay. Um, next up on the show, you're going to hear a little bit of an intro music interlude, and then Ryan and I are going to talk about football-related things, including – uh, uniforms, Friday night games, and Ohio State, which won't be fun. So hold on tight, and we will be back with you guys in just a moment. See you guys. So here we are now talking about football. Just me and Ryan for the moment. Matt had to go off and study for a test. So, And actually, we wanted to exclude him from negativity that we, well, sort of negativity that we have to do when we talk about football. Um, there isn't really much to talk about from the Michigan game that was surprising. I think the only thing that surprised me, Ryan, was that Caleb Rowe was brought in to replace Perry Hills when he got hurt and not Tyrell Pigram. What did you think of that decision? I think it was the right call. Um, really? I yeah, I, I was – well, here's – I don't know. I think – you could argue like the coach. I I think it I think it was just the right call because we kind of hadn't that we hadn't seen enough from Pigram to really think that he was going to be able to lead this team back. And this was such a, I mean, playing against this Michigan defense is just. I mean, you were throwing him to the wolves at that point, and I think he's probably safer off just not not playing against them. Honestly, I actually disagree with you because I think we all kind of assume that he, unless there's a transfer that comes in, 
uh, I think we can assume that he might be the opening day starter next year. Well, and, I think because Maryland has a transfer in Caleb Henderson that uh, we really don't point. know about that. It's a good point. I still think he could start next it, year. It's possible, but I think it'll be a race between him, Henderson, and Kasim Hill, depending on how far Hill, Hill is in his development. That's true. I guess we'll have the same talk about Hill next this time next year. But the point for me is I think we kind of all know what we get with Caleb Rowe. And Maryland was never coming back at that point. They had no shot. So I thought, honestly, even if you threw Pigram to the Wolves, at least you get him the experience of saying, all right, you played against Michigan at the big house. You've gotten a chance to do these things, even if it doesn't go well. The game was a lost cause anyway. So I don't know why you wouldn't give other players an opportunity, which they did later on in the game when it was really, really lost. And I think Pigram was largely the same case. Now, again, I can understand the arguments against that, and I can understand why people wouldn't want Pigram to go in, but I, I still think it probably was better for him, and it's better for the team if he gets experience and all these other younger players get experience because they're going to be facing Michigan again. They're going to be playing tougher teams ahead. So why not give them that sort of experience and that atmosphere as opposed to putting in somebody where we already know what you're going to get, and we saw it with Caleb Rowe with some pretty decent throws and then some absolute head scratchers. Um, I mean, I think the point is that you can, like, if you're looking at the, you know, at that point, you know, whenever they're they're already down too much to Michigan, like the game's a lost cause. I think you don't put Pigram in and just let Pigram get totally just rocked by this Michigan defense. I think you put Caleb Rowe in. He's smart about it. Maybe he throws an interception or two, but he larger look, looks competent. And even if and Caleb Rowe won't be damaged for the future, you know, mentally, by by facing this Michigan team, where you put a freshman out there and you kind of, you don't know what kind of effect that it it could have a negative effect on this guy. I think I, I think at least that's what the coaching staff, that's what the thought process probably was there. Maybe it was. I still kind of disagree with it. So I guess the important question is now: What is Perry Hill's status for? the future because we we saw him leave didn't see him come back I don't know what his status is but it looked like a similar injury to the one he suffered earlier in the season so uh are we going to be seeing him against Ohio State are we going to be seeing him in the near future I do I have no idea um they whenever Perry's been out they've they've given a uh they always say he's day-to-day and you know at at his press conference you can tell Durkin was like he is day-to-day he's like I'm not just saying it that's what he is and uh, that, but that essentially means we don't know. And because we don't know, could be Hills, could be Caleb Rowe, could be Piggy. We're, it could be any, any one of them, I guess, on Saturday because uh, there's just, there's, we, we really have no idea what Rowe's health status is. He's been day to day and then he's played that week, and he's been day to day and then not played. The previous two times he's been day to day. So, in conclusion, no idea. In conclusion, more shrug emojis. Hooray. Not like it really matters who starts against Ohio State because Maryland lost by 56 against Michigan, I think it was, and they're probably going to lose by just as much, if not more, to Ohio State. And I don't think, again, it makes any sense talking about the game because the game really doesn't matter. Uh, again, show yourself, put in the best performance you can, but you know you're going to get walked over. And I'm, I'm pretty sure the team is realistic 
in that sense. Uh, were, there were some other injuries, I think, that we saw. Um, we saw Ty Johnson get dinged up earlier in the Michigan yeah. game. What's his status? Um, again, I think uh, I think he's another he's another day to day guy. We're probably not going to find out until the game starts with him either. Oh, hooray, hooray! I think the biggest talking point for the week is going to be the uniforms, and I have dubbed them something. I've called them Turtle Blood Red because there will be turtle blood spilled everywhere as the Terps take on the Buckeyes on on Saturday. Uh, Maryland has had a lot of ridiculous uniforms in the past. I think these these might qualify as some of the most ridiculous, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think they're not, uh, you know, they're certainly not the most ridiculous. I think we can all agree those are the, there were the Maryland flag ones probably at least like five or six years ago that were really, you know, they weren't, they weren't great. But um, I think the, the, the I, I think, yeah, I personally am not a huge fan. Some people like them now. Uh, I've taught, you know, the Twitter response was, I'd say 50-50 if not more in favor of the uniforms. Uh, I spoke to Jordan Katz from Dimebag today. He was all about the uniforms. So there's there's a, uh, you know, I think it's a mixed bag. If you ask the players, they're obviously all about the uniforms because it's not like they'd say anything otherwise. But, yeah, I think they're they're very red. I think they're a bit too red. But, yeah. but I think they are, uh, you know, it, it, we've, we've seen a lot worse. Uh, well, whether we've seen a lot worse is, is up for debate, and of course uniforms are uniforms, but still, I've never been a true fan of monochromatic looks like that, especially against another team that wears red, so hey, that's 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 just me. I, 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 the all-white and the all-black look good with this yeah. kind of style, but the all-red, I've never liked when you go all a color even though you have this other monochromatic looks. I think all black looks great and the all white looks great, but the all red, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it does it for me. But then again, who? hey, look, a shiny thing. That's going to distract you from the fact that Maryland's going to lose by 60, right? <sighs> Probably. Uh, the spread, I think, is bigger than it was against Michigan, and uh, Maryland's not even going to get close. So what do you want to see on Saturday, just briefly? I mean, again, because the game is almost entirely secondary at this point to individual performances and hoping some players get another chance on a big stage to show their stuff. Yeah, I think it's it's weird because, you know, if you're a team, I think you always have to think you have a chance, with, you know, or else why, why even playing, right? But, yeah, when we're looking at it from the outside, it looks – it's it'd be, it'd be a completely, absolutely unbelievable upset. It'd be one of the biggest upsets in the history of the sport, maybe. If uh, well, I mean, it'd, it's, be, it'd, it's, be, it's in, it'd be an unranked team that's comfortably unranked upsetting a top ten team in in, in, in a division matchup. It does before. it does happen, but it'd be extremely unlikely. It would be it'd be maybe the biggest upset in the history of Maryland football potentially. It would, that that would that might be it, but let's not even think about it because it's just not going to happen, and it's not worth expending brain energy on it. Something that is worth expending energy on is the Big Ten's announcement that they're going to start playing Friday night games next season, which is very intriguing to me. Uh, some other conferences have done it. The ACC does it a bit. You often see some American games on Fridays, Mountain West. And now the Big Ten's going to start doing it next year with the new TV contracts. And you knew instantly when it was announced that Maryland was going to end up playing in one. Oh, yeah. And they are 
and they're playing against Northwestern in the Kevin Blackstone Bowl, uh, Friday night, October 13th. Uh, it'll be a nationally televised game, which is good. A lot of people will watch because it's the only game on at the time, probably. Um, it'll likely be on an ESPN network, I think, because at that point you would assume Fox and FS1 will have um, baseball commitments. So what, what do you think of the idea of Friday Night Big Ten football and Maryland playing Friday Night Big Ten football? Um, you know, I think Maryland playing Friday Night Big Ten football is cool. I, you know, don't have much of an issue on that. Um, it's, it's interesting sort of seeing the reactions of the rest of the more Big Ten fan base because, you know, if you I, – I guess I'm mostly going from a – if. Uh, our friend Matt Brown, at, who runs Ohio, works for SB Nation and runs Ohio State's uh, Land Grant Holy Land, Ohio State's SB Nation site. And he was not in favor of these games at all, which from the Ohio State perspective, I think makes total sense because Ohio State, and if Ohio State pro- will only have to play on Friday nights, like once every three years was like the understanding. And like, Michigan doesn't have to. Michigan said, hell no, we're not doing that. And Penn State, I guess, said something similar. And they're mostly going to be – the Friday night games would be games that, you know, most people aren't really going to care about that much. But, oh, it's on Friday and it's the only thing on. I guess that's fine. Um, and I get why people say, well, why if you're for a big school, you don't want it because it doesn't affect you at all. And you think, well, if the Big Ten team – like Big Ten teams should just be good enough that they should be able to attract people on merit. And, like, they shouldn't have to force the better Big Ten schools to play on Friday nights. Um, but I think uh, I think for Maryland it's good. You know, it just gets more people noticing Maryland. No one's watching a Maryland-Northwestern game unless you care about Maryland-Northwestern if it's on on a Saturday when you got ten other things on. But, you know, Friday night, if you're at a bar, that game. Like, I, I think it was Andy Staples who might have tweeted it from Sports Illustrated who said, uh, you know, Nobody's watching that game on Saturday. Or you, you'd, you'd uh, like, everyone make fun of you if you ask the bartender to switch to that channel. But on a Friday night, every TV is going to be playing it. And I think that's fairly true. Um, I will say, you know, the idea that, you know, it Friday night games is certainly just another example of, like, football being, or just college athletics just being all about the money because there's no way that Friday night games help teams no, not you, at all. you have you have less chance to recover from injury. You probably have to skip an extra day of school, and you, and then the only benefit is more TV money. So, yeah, it's I, I imagine if I were an athlete, I probably wouldn't be super thrilled about it. But I certainly am not an athlete, so no. But I mean, at least maybe in this case, because it's a Friday night game the novelty of it will get people to show up. Yes. Yeah, well, I think... Northwestern's not a team that's going to draw, but Friday night against Northwestern, the novelty might work a bit. Yeah, I will say the other other things that some of these uh, that Matt Brown wrote in his article, you know, if you're a high school recruit, you can't exactly visit if the team's playing on a Friday night. That is true. You're playing on a Friday night. Um, If you are a big high school football person, whether you're... Are you coach a team or you are in a relationship with someone who coaches a team, you know, then maybe then you have to choose between going to the Maryland game or going to the high school game. So that 
won't necessarily make a lot of sense. I mean, let me let me say this about that. There are plenty of other chances to go to the games. It's not like they're playing an entire season on Friday night. Yes, so it's, it's, it's one chance. game. It's one game in three years. Something like I, that. I, I don't think. Oh, I think Maryland will be participating more often than just one game every three years. I think they'll be right. No, I think most well, years. Yes, but I'm like, they're doing 2017, but it's not certain that they're doing it in years after that. Oh, I, believe, I bet they I, are. Trust me, they will. They, no I mean, they, they might they be, are. but it certainly hasn't been announced yet. Yeah, the other, the they only announced it for this year. The games are Washington at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Utah State at Wisconsin, Ohio at Purdue, Nebraska at Illinois, Northwestern at Maryland, and then Michigan State at Northwestern. So, yeah. so I mean, some yeah. of those games, like Ohio at Purdue, I'm not. You can't pay me to watch that. Whether it's a, it's a Tuesday night and I, there's nothing else on, I'm not. I'm not watching Ohio versus Purdue. That's true, but it is TV money, and it is something worth talking about. So, thank you, Ryan, for sticking around and talking a little football. Despite everything that has gone on, and despite the fact that we're all kind of in basketball mode, but we will still talk about football on yes. these podcasts. But it will be more of a side note unless something crazy happens uh, in the future, and we'll talk about it when it comes. Rutgers, Rutgers week will be a that'll be a big football week. That will be the well, that will be the they better win or else we got some problems game but uh that's not for a couple of weeks and we don't have to worry about it until that that is one way or it could just be hey maryland wins and they get into a bowl that's yeah there is that too more optimistic way to look at it well it's maryland football who looks at maryland football optimistically anyway thank you very much ryan for doing this little segment on football thank you for also sticking around for the basketball portion of the podcast you are very welcome i enjoyed it And we will be back next week where we'll talk about some of the big basketball games. And if anything interesting happens against Ohio State, we'll certainly remark upon that as well. Hopefully you have enjoyed this extended edition of the Testudo Times podcast. But of course, go Terps!